Welcome to Wired AF. Today we're joined by two special guests, Melissa Wu and Joshua Wu. Melissa is a three times Olympian in 10 metre platform diving, both synchronised and individual, and four times Commonwealth Games athlete. She's an Olympic silver medalist and Commonwealth Games gold medalist and is working towards her fourth Olympic Games. Josh is an Olympic weightlifter who is a 15 times national representative for Australia. He has been competing for 12 years and has a 122 kilo snatch at 81 kilo body weight. Together, they own a strength conditioning gym called Hardcore Strength in New South Wales. We're really excited to share their story with you. We're joined by Josh and Mel. Mel, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners who don't know who you are and, and your achievements and just kind of give a you know brief summary of, of who you are to the podcast? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Melissa. I am an Olympic diver for Australia. I've been to three Olympic Games the diving and four Commonwealth Games. I'm currently training for Tokyo 2021. I'm not sure yet whether that will go ahead, but hoping that it will. So training as if it's all going to happen. So training really hard. I train twice a day, most days. Uh, so it's pretty full on. And then outside of that, I also run hardcore with Josh. I'm a little bit more behind the scenes because I don't have so much of a background in weightlifting. Uh, and on top of that, I also have my own clothing label called Having Athletics. Beautiful. And we're also joined by Josh. Josh, do you want to say hi and introduce yourself to the podcast? Hey guys, how are you? So I'm Josh. Um, I'm an Olympic weightlifter. I've been lifting for 12 years, so since 2008. So actually a little little over 12 years now. Um, I've competed for Australia since I was uh, 14, I think. Yep, 14, represented Australia 15 times. Um, Won nationals between under 15 level and under 23 levels um, seven times, I think. And yeah, that's me. It, it's so hard keeping track of all these things, Josh. It's like you, you know, you've got them written down, mate. Because I'm old now and I can't remember anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So something that is, I guess, a little bit different to what you guys have done in the past where, Mel, you've been interviewed individually, but together, because you guys, kind of, uh, prior to the podcast starting, you had that brother-sister kind of bickering, but... You know, you guys obviously have a really special connection and you've also got a sister, Maddie, as well. And that's really unique and something that we think and something that's why Steph and I were kind of really inspired to have you guys on, on the podcast and interview you guys because uh, we know that there's obviously a really uh, good connection between the three of you. And do you, do you want to talk about how that connection has kind of um, shaped the way you guys do things and the way you guys coach and, and how you guys work together at Hardcore? <laughs> Well, I think you know, we have, it helps when you all have similar interests and stuff. Um, and then you're, because you have similar interests, you have the same vision kind of thing. So we work together really well um, because, and even though we pick up, we kind of, <laughs> we'll pick up where the other person misses things kind of thing. So whatever I'm good at, she, um, and she might not be good at, I help her with that. And then vice versa kind of thing. Like a lot of the business side of things, like, um, like you're yeah, doing Instagram stuff and, Advertising, that's not really my forte, but I've gotten a lot better at it over the years because Mel's helped me with it. Um, and then, yeah, I suppose, I don't know what I've helped you with. <laughs> but like I said before, I don't do, some, I don't do the coaching for obvious reasons in hardcore. Uh, I don't have much of a background in weightlifting, but it's been fun to learn. And Josh and Maddie have both coached me a bit um, in the past, which has been really fun to kind of become part of that world and become part of, the club that Josh has built, which is really exciting for me to watch. And yeah, I do all the stuff behind the scenes, but watching him grow this community and grow this club is super exciting. And now Maddie's also coaching for Hardcore too, which has been really cool. And yeah, just seeing it grow um, 
within the family. I'm super proud of both Matt and Josh. And yeah, like Josh said, we do bicker a lot, but I think that to, to do what we do, you have to have a very close relationship. Yeah. And you can just be honest with the person as well, like as we brought Maddie on for coaching now too. And like we argue all the time, but then the next day, like it's fine kind of thing. Like, whereas <laughs> if it's a coworker, you don't really like full tell them what you actually think. But when it's me and Maddie, I just tell them like, yeah, I think your idea sucks. Or she'll say that to me and it's fine. I don't really get offended because it's like just normal anyway. And then it actually helps us keep growing as a club because then we're not, yeah, we're not pretending kind of thing. Yeah, you've got more of like a genuine or real feel to how the club is. Yeah. Before we get more into hardcore, I want to talk about how um, I guess both of you have completely different sports. You know, you're doing your, well, they're both very technical, but obviously Mel, you are doing diving and then Josh, you do Olympic weightlifting. Do you want to talk individually about how you both got introduced into your sports? At some stage, all of us siblings have all done weightlifting before, but I was the second one to start it. So our older sister, Kirsten, who we've named Hardcore after kind of in her honour, she did weightlifting before me. Um, so I think she started like late 2007 um, and it was in the same complex where Mel used to do her diving. So it's in Queensland called the Sleeman Centre. I'm sure any Queensland weightlifting people listening to this will know what I'm talking about. The Sleeman Centre is there and um, the weightlifting gym is underneath the old Bellodrome. So we used to drive past that all the time to get Mel to the diving pool. So one day mum just suggested to Kirsten to start weightlifting one day because we always saw the sign that said Cougars Weightlifting Club. And then she started and then a year later I was doing karate, but I didn't really enjoy it that much. I didn't want to do any sport at all, to be honest, when I was a kid. And mum said, no, you've got to do something. <laughs> so I was like, oh, whatever. <laughs> and then she said, yeah, how about you try weightlifting? It's like manly. Maybe you'll make more friends if you do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she wasn't wrong. I got more friends than I did back then, but supposedly, no, I think I do. But that's kind of how I just got it. was really just kind of by chance. It wasn't really like I didn't get talent scouted, talent scouted into it. I just kind of happened to come across it, and it was probably a good thing because I, uh, I really suck at sport. Like I can't do any. I can't run. I can't throw a ball or jump or anything. So <laughs> weightlifting kind of ended up being the right sport for me. So I was just kind of here yeah, by chance, and then twelve years later, here we are. And now it's like my whole life. That's, that's awesome. And then Mel, do you want to talk to us about how you got into diving? Yeah, so I actually started diving uh, because of my our older sister, so a different sister. She used to swim a lot when she was younger and she would race a lot at Sydney Olympic Park, uh, which is where I train now. And yeah, that's where I saw diving. I used to love doing gymnastics, um, but I didn't get to a very high level. We were quite a busy family with a lot of sporting commitment. So I used to flip around at home a lot and I loved all that kind of thing. So when I saw the divers diving at the other end of the pool when my sister would swim, I was like, oh, it looks so fun. I really want to try it. Uh, yeah, and then just convinced my parents to let me start. It was a bit of like an unknown, weird kind of sport. Like no one that I knew or no one in the family had ever done diving. So yeah, it was a bit new, but as soon as I started, I loved it. And yeah, I think I started just in a club program and having fun, but um, as soon as I started, I knew that was something I wanted to be good at and do well in. And yeah, eventually then worked my way up into more elite programs and yeah, eventually to making Australian teams. Yeah. And you guys have both been in your sports for a long time as well. So Mel, was it your, were you 13 when you went to your first Commonwealth Games? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I was. So I think I've, I've been diving for about like oh, 18 years. Gosh. You'll get this. <laughs> 
But it's such a long time to be in a sport, you know. Um, you've both been in your respective sports for such a long time. What inspires you and motivates you to keep going and how do you kind of get that motivation back again when you feel like you're losing it? Because especially when you're competing in a high level, um, I'm sure there's something that, you know, keeps you going. Yeah, I think we're, we're really lucky being part of a family that's always been so sporty and um, very goal-focused. I think um, as being the second oldest in the family, I think I always learned a lot from my older sister who was already always very driven and she knew what she wanted to do and she kind of set the tone for the whole family. And I always aspired when I was younger to be like that. So I think that pushed me from a young age to want to reach my goals. And I think then once all these young guys started getting good at their sport and everything, just that being in a family with that um, kind of level of drive and, and focus just motivates you to want to, um, I guess, yeah, everyone like just pushes each other to be their best. Um, and then also there's always the bad times too and having that support network behind you really helps. So things aren't always, you know, sunshine, rainbows, but in those times I think my family helps me a lot to get back on track and stay motivated and sometimes when I'm having a bad time when these guys do well, it makes me feel really good and I think having that is kind of really important, so even if it's not my own success, seeing these guys doing really well is, I guess, inspiring and motivating for me Yeah, I just still enjoy weightlifting to be honest, if I didn't enjoy it I wouldn't keep doing it kind of thing, for me weightlifting is more, it's like a hobby really and it's just something and I coach as well and then it's funny because they're coaching and being an athlete I kind of use both of them to like escape from the other thing in a way <laughs> so it's like <laughs> it's not going well I'm like okay I can look forward to coaching and then if coaching stress I'm like oh, okay like I've got training stuff and I can just not think about it when I'm training so you know, that's kind of the same thing it's like that I just yeah I enjoy lifting and you know if I'm flat on motivation then I suppose yeah I've, I've got my long-term goals for lifting so I always just keep working towards that and yeah I'd like to fanboy over like really good weightlifters <laughs> just go on all things gym and watch videos of them just watch training whole footage and I'm like man I want to be like them kind of thing still even though I've been lifting for so long I'm still like yeah <laughs> I remember we were watching the people that I grew up like I was lucky enough training at Cougars as a kid we, I grew up watching Damon Kelly and like Ben Turner when they were in the absolute prime and the way they trained so I was like wow and I was, was still aspiring to kind of train like that and be like they were when I was idolizing them as a kid kind of thing so yeah, I just love weightlifting still, so that's why I keep going. <laughs> yeah, we see how important having passion for something and how when you guys are, when someone's internally motivated opposed, internally motivated, opposed to being uh, motivated by, say, money or becoming famous or something, you know, ulterior motives that are not that strong at all and doesn't help keep you in the sport and it certainly won't help someone be a really good coach as well. And we see now, obviously, you're coaching Josh and then Mel, do you coach any gymnastics or coach any diving? Yeah, I do actually. I coach our, uh, so in the New South Wales Institute of Sport, we have different uh, squads and there's a whole kind of pathway from the bottom up. So as a diver, I'm the oldies, <laughs> the ones that travel internationally. And then the very bottom, we basically scout kids from sports like gymnastics, trampolining, and all those tumbling type sports. And basically I coach that level. So I bring them in when they first come into the program and teach them how to be elite athletes and the training that's required. And yeah, my job is to help them fall in love with the sport so they're still still going when they get to Josh and my age. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's something that's really awesome to see because not often are the best athletes the best coaches and, and having a really good passion for the sport actually makes you guys really good at coaching as well because you love it so much and you can see, you know, you, you put that um, passion in towards, the, in, towards your, in towards people that you coach 
and then that makes it so much easier to relate back to them and, and then help them get through those things or those struggles that they might be going through rather than just saying, well, you know, this is what I did. Why, don't, why isn't it working for you? And, you know, try and troubleshoot and, and work with them in those kind of ways. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and you can kind of relate to how they're feeling if they have a crap session kind of thing and you know that it's not, nothing you say is really going to make them better, feel better at that time but then, you know, yeah, sometimes you just go, all right, I went through that time as well, you just go let them go through it and they'll figure it out kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when they're injured, yeah, they're, everyone's always lower motivation when they're injured. So you just got to convince them just to keep going. Because yeah, I used to take the long breaks when I was a kid. I just wouldn't lift for like four weeks when I was injured, and now I realised that was the wrong thing to do. But now I can stop people from doing that. Yeah. Speaking of injuries, have you guys had any uh, serious injuries or any that have really given you any setbacks? Or uh, yeah, well, my first injury was a lower back injury when I was uh, thirteen. So I'd only been lifting for about. I think it was less than two years and like I always kind of got a sore back and now as an adult I know why it happened because every time my coach would cue me to have a flat back I would arch my back deliberately and then over time that caused my disc to get very irritated and I ended up getting this thing in my lower back called a pars defect and it basically and my disc my I think it's L5 or something my disc slipped five millimeters so it was just a lot of pain for it's more it's more just like uh, nervy type pain like there's nothing really actually wrong with me but like I couldn't bend over or move properly. And I was only like 13. So it was a bit worrying. And then, yeah. So back then, like I didn't have the best uh, physio team and all that back then. So when I got the scans and stuff, they're like, yeah, stress fracture and uh, pars defect don't lift for nine months. So I <laughs> didn't lift for nine months. And then I came back and then, yeah, since then, and then it was kind of an, yeah, I came back. So that was like 2010. Then I came back after having the nine months off, which yeah, probably wasn't the best thing to do, but I was a kid, so maybe it did help. Um, and then it was good for about uh, maybe five, five, six years. And then about 2016, oh, yeah, maybe 2017 to 20, end of 2018, it flared up again really badly. And I was having a lot of, getting a lot of spasms in it again. And like, I'd just be doing like a lift off the floor or coming up from a clean, it would just like seize up. And then it would be like, same again, yeah, can't bend over, can't move for three or four days. And then, yeah, and then I found my current physio pay. And then since I started with her, it doesn't spasm anymore. So it's all good now. <laughs> that's probably the main injury that's kind of carried through most of my career. And I've had plenty of others along the way, but they're just, that's just part of the sport. <laughs> I've had a fair share too. I also see uh, Pay Garn at PB Physio. So the last few years has been like a huge like change for me approaching injuries really differently but yeah throughout my career I've had, I've had a fair few I've been like I haven't had anything that's um, required like major surgery or anything like that or anything that's put me out of the sport and I've been able to keep doing it but pretty much head to toe but <laughs> <laughs> disc protrusions in my neck I've had shoulder problems back stress fractures disc bulges knee problems <laughs> hip problems like the, the whole list basically uh so yes yeah, i feel like you, you there's always something else like that you never get rid of any you just you're just adding to the yeah, list you just kind of learn how to manage everything over time yeah. nothing really heals 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah like i said since we've been going to pb physio i think it's been huge um just not only that she helped us but also she educated us a bit better on injuries and how to manage them um and i think that's the thing i always struggle with the most when i would go away Especially comps, we had to go back to back. So sometimes we might be away for three, even up to four weeks. And that fear before you're going away of being like, okay, I'm on my own now. And if something happens, I get injured, I like don't, I can't rely on anyone. There's no physio there. 
Um, and that used to be like one of the scariest things for me with traveling was knowing that like if the smallest thing happened that I was stuffed pretty much. But now since she's helped us and educated us, I feel like, yeah, a lot better about being able to manage yeah. my injuries and what and how to how to yeah. prevent like help give us all the tools that we need for when an injury flares up so now it's like if i can feel that my back is starting to flare up i know what to do to stop it from going to the point where i can't bend over kind of thing which helps a lot when you're going on trips and stuff and you don't have the physio there with you yeah it's so important to have a healthcare team that you can trust and that have your best interests and can actually educate you like you said um and that's so great that you found someone i actually follow her on instagram as well and she she's put up some really great videos of mal you doing pilates with her um which is awesome so it's great that she can help you guys and um to manage your injuries i guess from there um she would get you to do like some cross training for each of your sports i'm guessing or some rehab stuff yeah, so the Pilates is a separate thing that I just started doing recently, and it's great. She actually works in with Pay as well, um, but Pay is the main uh, person I see in terms of injury management and prevention. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a very exercise based. So she does a bit of half half. Most of my career, we've just been told to just lie on a bed and just rely on physio to massage us. So Pay still does a little bit of that, but it's uh, much more exercise focused and. Uh, it's amazing to me how she can fix things by, um, yeah, I guess like being more active about doing exercises. And I feel like that's really in my control then when I go away. And, and she'll quite often, like she's a great person, a great um, support for us when we do go away. Because if something does happen, we can contact her and she can help us as well, uh, which has been, yeah, huge. I think it's both. She covers like the physical side, but also she's a great friend, a great emotional support as an athlete as well. And that's something that we see so important with having a really good health practitioner. And Steph, I don't know if you know, but she's just finished her uh, doctor of osteopathy. So it's something that we're really, <laughs> that's something that we're really passionate about, and, yeah. and I really believe in with her. And she's helped me heaps with my injuries as well. Very similar to you guys, she, the manual therapy is something that she does that you know helps me get back into you know feeling good about moving my body. And then the exercise she prescribes me just help me get that lasting change so that I know I can keep training and. For you guys it sounds exactly right like that movement movement based approach is really good for a lasting change and also managing your injuries because as you said mel there's nothing scarier than going into a comp thinking that you can't do a certain uh skill or performance perform at your best and not going into a comp knowing that you're just trying not to lose or and just trying to do you know what you can isn't the best attitude especially when you're competing at the level you're competing at <laughs> Yeah, if your goal is not to die, you probably shouldn't be in the club. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Can we talk more about how, I guess, the relationship between you guys and Josh, would you go with your sister to comps and stuff like that? Have you gone to all her comps and supported her or have you guys been able to be there at each other's comps and stuff like that? I don't go to my comps. No, Josh, I used to watch him yeah. online a lot when it was free and then you had to start paying to watch. So I stopped watching. <laughs> when, it was, when it was free to watch, I'd go online, I'd get up at like 3 o'clock in the morning and watch her comps and stuff and then, yeah, she watches the live stream. You went to games though. Oh, yeah, I went yeah. and watched the Commonwealth games, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, I didn't pay to go probably, yeah. <laughs> someone would have paid for me to go but yeah we went yeah watched the Commonwealth Games but yeah yeah we don't have many comps like in Sydney usually if we have national comps we'll travel um 
for that like interstate and I'm really a bit funny with people watching so I get quite nervous so the bigger the crowd the better because I, I can't see them then but if it's like not many people it's just the people I know that it's really scary for me but uh, but I watch your comps whenever you have them or not now because of COVID <laughs> which sucks but yeah we haven't been having yeah. any spectator comps this last year but yeah yeah but if he's got comps yeah I, I like to go and watch the weightlifting yeah. So with traveling, that must be really difficult as well with your preparation, especially for things like recovery. How do you guys manage your sleep and nutrition, especially when you're traveling for competitions? Uber Eats for you? No, can't get Uber Eats overseas. No, I'm traveling. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, well, the first couple of times from overseas was a bit of a rude shock when you can't, like, get access to things that you usually would buy. It's like when my first major international conference went to Slovakia, and they didn't have Powerade there. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Oh, sorry, I probably can't swear on this. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man, they didn't have Powerade. Like, what the heck? And I went, I had, like, a full meltdown about it. <laughs> so over time I've realised, okay, you need to bring your own stuff with you. So if, if you have a particular um, post-weigh-in eating routine that you need to bring your stuff with you, as long as it's all packaged, I suppose. So now, and, like, yeah, I get a bit weird about drinking milk overseas as well, so I always bring all my own milk and stuff now <laughs> I'm a bit of a diva with that. I just bring a lot. Half the suitcase is just all of my food in it. And because, yeah, we went to New Caledonia end of 2019. And the previous time I was in New Caledonia in 2018, I got food poisoning. So when I went back the other time, I was super paranoid. So literally three quarters of my suitcase was just food. <laughs> One quarter was my clothes. So basically, yeah, I've, I've just learned over time. You prepare and then now I just take the same stuff with me every time. And, yeah, sleep, I don't know. I still haven't figured out the sleep thing overseas. I'm just not good at that. I just... I just accept that when I have an international comp, I'm probably going to be doing the comp on three or four hours sleep, and that's just the way it is. Adrenaline makes up. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> if I pack my power rate, I'll get a bit of an energy boost before the comp. Yeah. So it's just about, I just, I'm just, I, don't, I just take it how it comes, you know, I just adapt. So I've done plenty of comps without much sleep now because I get quite nervous before comps anyway. So you just, yeah, you learn to just deal with it. Yeah. And Mal, how about you? Yeah, the sleep thing, the night before coming pretty similar. That's what coffee is for, <laughs> morning of comp, just get on the coffees. Uh, but actually, I sleep better when we travel like the week before normally because you get out of your normal routine and you're basically just there for your sport. So it gives me actually a chance to kind of catch up on some sleep and that's basically the preparation for the night before. I know I won't sleep much. Uh, but the nutrition is kind of similar to Josh. Sometimes I think in diving, it's for me, the struggle is sometimes more like the actual comp days uh, quite often, like when we travel, um, mostly more of the time when we go overseas, whenever we're in Australia, it's fine. But when we travel overseas, we have long days of comps and we usually eat breakfast in the hotel and dinner in the hotel. And they just don't bother to think about lunch most of the time, which is insane when you think about elite athletes, the best in the world, tra- traveling for competitions, and they don't even factor in like any meal in between 6 a.m. and like 7 p.m. So for me, that's the hardest thing. And even if you go to games events, um, because of health and safety, they're really strict about you taking any food out of there. So if you can conceal it in serviettes and that kind of thing, um, and put it in your bag, you're okay. But it's got to be food that can go in a serviette. So, uh, yeah, so I think that's the hardest thing, just preparing for comps when you eat in the morning, maybe, yeah, 6 or something, and then you won't eat until 7 p.m. And sometimes we've been to comps where they just ran out of food at dinner. And you got back late from a comp and if you had drug testing, you got back and they're like, oh, sorry, we're out. And, that, and that's it. So you've eaten at 6 a.m. And then, so for me, actually, wait, I used to struggle a lot with weight loss and I go away. And for the longer the comps went on for three weeks, I would usually lose like a kilo um, 
to a kilo and a half when I went away, which doesn't sound like a lot, but at that time I was only about like 46, 47 kilos. So to lose that weight for me and, and then when we travel, we don't do strengths and things like that. That's a considerable amount of like muscle mass, like loss, which is a big thing. So I think just factoring all that in and being really prepared, like Josh said, just traveling with the food that you know, like you're going to, you're going to need when you get to comp day is really important. It's something that people don't really tell you about actually until you get there and then you're like, Oh, what do I do? <laughs> I found food to be the hardest thing as well. The for myself, last comp that I went, I well, I was kind of stressed about my weight so much that I ended up losing too much water overnight. But exactly right, Mel. It's it's all lean mass you lose. You don't lose body fat. So people think, oh, you lose weight, it's great. For the average person, us losing weight is just lean mass and and water, and that's going to just make us perform way worse, which is not what we want. We want to be at our best shape. So going into the comp. You know, Steph will help me heaps with, you know, making sure I have heaps of food or making sure I don't, you know, because the hardest thing is just making sure you eat. And, and if you can get really stressed and nervous, you almost kind of forget about eating and everything, the, t- the time goes so fast when you're over there, when you, when you look back at it. If you're not on top of everything, you end up, you can lose so much in just the preparation of the common. We see so many, so common, Josh, you would have seen the same thing. How many athletes kind of bomb out at an elite level and how many, you know, fail to perform lifts that they can perform at a state level. And then when they go to an, a national or an elite level where they have to do any kind of traveling, no matter how it is, and they're not even in the same environment because purely because I think it's due to sleep and food, they just struggle so much. Yeah, it's, a hard, it's really hard doing any kind of a weight cut if you're going for an overseas comp, which I'm like, I've never had to do it before, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to not do it. I highly recommend being in check. <laughs> so then what's, I guess, going forward, what are your goals and aspirations for the coming years? I know that, Mel, you're training for your um, next Olympics if it goes ahead, but, you know, we'll see if that's going to happen. I hope it does. Hopefully it does. <laughs> We'll see. So, yeah, I'm actually now a year on than what I would have been diving. So, uh, I guess for us, I've got diving goals for this year, but then outside of diving is probably where a lot of my goals are then looking forward. So, definitely hardcore with Josh. It's something that, uh, yeah, I might be more involved with in terms of coaching, not the weightlifting, don't worry. <laughs> I won't do that. Uh, but probably more the gymnastics <laughs> side of things that I do a little bit of now, get more involved in that. Uh, and yeah, a bit more with the diving coaching as well. And, and I think, yeah, I've set up a lot of different things outside of diving. So I'm excited to basically pursue them and put the time into them, like more time into them without having to focus so much on diving. That'll be really exciting. So for the moment, just trying to survive juggling all of them together, but at least it's good. I'm glad I don't have the stress on me of what am I going to do after diving or um, not, or that unknown, I think. So I'm really happy to have a lot of things uh, to fall back on. There's so many things. I'm just thinking about so many things that I can talk to you guys about. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mel, something that's really interesting to me, and, and obviously, Josh, you can you can comment on this as well. How, and we obviously – hold on. Let's talk about Josh's goals as well. Yeah, yeah, and then so we I'm can come back to your getting point. Getting so excited. <laughs> I suppose my, my weightlifting goal is still, yeah, I think I have two more left that I really want to do is um, make Commonwealth Games. is a big one for me. I'd love to do – if I could just do that once, then I'd probably be like, all right, done, hang up the boots, I'm out kind of thing. Um, and win senior nationals. I've come close, come second at senior nationals twice. Which sucks, but we'll keep flying away till eventually um, we get there. And then yeah, on the coaching side, yeah, I want to start. I've got a nice big club now, and I want to start trying to get more of my lifters to qualify for senior nationals and some of these bigger comps now. And then 
yeah, the big coaching goal probably is to get coach someone to beat me and then I can quit probably. If I can coach someone to beat me, then I'd be like, my job's done. Is that before or after you do I don't know. Whatever comes first. The Commonwealth Games comes first if I turn 31st or if someone beats me first. Any of those things will give me the out. I love those goals. They're amazing. Because if I coach someone to beat me, then I've done a good job coaching them. So that would be awesome if that could happen. And then obviously yeah, it would be nice if I could achieve my lifting goals first so yeah <laughs> and my goals awesome i love how relaxed you guys and hopefully our listeners can can get this from you guys because it, some people will seem you know some kind of there's some elite athletes they come across very highly strong but you guys are not uh at all you guys are very genuine and down to earth and i hopefully our, it's coming through to our listeners because it's definitely you know how you guys are coming across to us which is awesome we are towards we're getting towards the end of our careers now our athletic careers so it's like just having fun now it's like it's, it's about enjoying it now i didn't enjoy it when i was younger i put so much pressure on myself now it's just like i kind of wish i just enjoyed it more and that's what i'm trying to do now it's just take every day as it comes and be grateful for it and i think in in, in hindsight you'll actually do better that way because you have no pressure on yourself it's almost like you just let yourself go and you can just perform a lot easier and just do what you can exactly like you said Josh you probably, probably find things are more enjoyable and more fun with Mel <laughs> going back to what you were yeah, going to say <laughs> so I was going to say uh, with preparing so Olympics seems it's Olympics is four years and it seems you know to a lot of people very difficult to actually understand how much preparation goes into a four year program or a four year I guess a, a plan can you explain to the listeners exactly how you would periodize or plan your diving and you know how would you structure those seasons depending on you know the, the qualifying uh, uh, lead up comps kind of help you structure your program as well yeah so I think in terms of the calendar it's every four years but actually when we look at it in terms of our training competition we actually look at it more yearly so the problem with small sports same way of thing they don't get any exposure outside of the games events so most people are very surprised to know that we actually compete every year and they just don't hear anything about it. So usually the four-year cycle is uh, Olympics, and then in between we have Commonwealth Games, which is also on a four-yearly cycle. They're two years apart. And then in between that, every second year, we also have a World Championships, and every second year we have a World Cup event. So there's, every year there's a major competition for the year, which for us is important to compete in because that determines the funding that we receive, and especially when you're coming into an Olympic year, that funding is actually dependent on your previous year's performance. So it's really important to make sure you maintain that level uh, constantly. Uh, but yeah, basically our years look pretty similar in the fact that we usually have a bit of an international season starting usually in February and then it ends in July. Usually Olympics is around August, so end of July, August. So Olympic years are a little bit later. Um, but basically first half of the year is always like comp season and then back half of the year is when you have a small break and then you basically just build up again. And if you're like me, you're just dealing with whatever 50 injuries you have getting ready for the next year, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, but even though we have comps only basically the first half of the year, we don't actually take much of a break in diving. So we'll only ever get ever maybe like two weeks off after the major competition mid-year and maybe a little break at Christmas, but we actually just keep training through like all year every year basically of course and so something that i find really interesting is obviously you know structuring so you can stay injury free and not get burnt out from diving kind of manage your goals as well we kind of structure throughout the year where you'll do certain platform dives or you'll practice certain skills at certain times of the year so you'll say you know there's comp coming up you'll 
it'll be more skill based They're very much like weightlifting how we have you know kind of like a, a you know there's a 16 week or a 12 week build up is it something very similar to that and what does that kind of look like we yeah, it is similar. There are actually, there's a lot of similarities and there's also a lot of differences. I think the differences too are just in the way that, that diving has always been done. I feel like there's not many people exploring different type of things, which is actually something that um, pay our physios looking into more now about like tapering at certain times, which has been really interesting actually to kind of learn about. Uh, but basically when we're in our comp season, that is very like high intensity kind of time where we do a lot of numbers of our dives off like the 10, I do 10 meter platform. So a lot of reps off 10 meter platform. Uh, and maybe we drop the numbers a bit more and we just basically focus on that, those competition dives. And then uh, the back half of the year when we're building up again, that's when we do easier dives. We do a lot, a lot of repetitions of them basically to just rebuild technique again and, and work your way back up. Uh, and then basically it depends too on how old you are, injuries, what you can manage. I can do a lot less now than what I did before. I can't push my body the same way that I used to. So I have to be really careful about when I do get in that phase, I'm really starting to do pushing hard. Sometimes I have to drop back a bit and remember, okay, I'm not 13 anymore. I'll probably die if I keep going this way. Uh, and that's where the pay's been really good to keep me in check there. Like, remember to deload, uh, which is which is really cool actually. And um, in terms of being a coach as well, to learn about that um, is really cool. And being able to actually put into practice as an athlete, I think that'll teach me a lot later when I'm coaching. Josh, do you want to talk about how your program has changed? I know you've had a new coach. You're at Shire Speed and Strength for the last two or three years. You've been working with him. How has that changed? And, and do you guys do like an off-season? I think Pay, um, May said it. Um, Mel, what am I saying? <laughs> I'm thinking about Paige and now I'm thinking about her. Mel, Mel said it really well when it's because it, diving's an old sport or it's not, not as much exposure, so not many people are experimenting with it. So it's kind of like, well, this is how it's always been done, so this is how you do diving. And a lot of, you know, martial arts is also quite like that, but we're finding that, you know, I'm, Steph and I are quite progressive with weightlifting down here and we're trying to do things a little bit differently to how they were done maybe 30, 60 years ago, which is the same way. Uh, how have you find, found doing weightlifting and has your, you know, program or structure changed? Um, since I started with Peter a couple of years ago, yeah, the main difference is now like even throughout the whole year, even during competition season, we're doing a lot more strength work than I used to do uh, and like high, high volume squats and pulls and stuff and actually less snatch and clean and jerk. Like my mindset as a teenager, I was always like, if I don't do a snatch and a clean jerk, like at least two or three times a week, I'm just going to forget how to do it. I can't do it. And now it's like, sometimes I only do snatch once, once a fortnight <laughs> and I feel fine now. It's like I can do snatch once a fortnight and it doesn't feel really heavy when I haven't done it kind of thing because I think my main issue and the reason why I had so many injuries growing up is I just wasn't very strong. I had good technique, but I wasn't really strong enough to lift the weights I was lifting. So my body was kind of copying it. So uh, I suppose, yeah, I'm just kind of putting words into Peter's mouth now, but I suppose he's probably trying to just try and make me stronger and catch up on all that strength that I didn't really get as a teenager. So doing a lot mm -hmm. of... Um, high volume points like sets of 10 back squats and stuff which I'd never done before before I started with him and like I always thought I couldn't do it because of my knee injuries and stuff but then with the help of pay and Pete now I can do it and I don't even wear knee sleeves when I do it I'm like oh, yeah, my knees are fine I'm just was being a sook before <laughs> but I think that's the main difference is yeah we just we do a lot of strength work it's called shy spin strength for a reason I suppose I do a lot of strength work and I'm a lot stronger now than I used to be and now it's like, yeah, I can do a 150 clean and jerk and I can actually train the next day. I don't do a 150 clean and jerk then have to take a week off to let my knee feel better afterwards kind of thing. So 
my main, yeah, mm. my general fitness and strength has just improved a lot, I feel. And my technique has still gotten better, even though we're not really practicing snatch and clean jerk anywhere near as much as I used to. It, yeah, that's such a good point. It's, and so, I'm glad you said it because it's something that Seth always tries to tell me and it's only really been recently. And I, you did a powerlifting comp as well, maybe 12, 18 months ago, you did powerlifting comp? But that's the whole thing. So it's part of an off season and in an off season, every sport should have an off season where you work on other things. And obviously diving has a big gymnastics background. And then, you know, uh, Mel, that gives you the opportunity to work on other skills outside of the pool that are going to translate, but you don't necessarily have to do sport specific training all year round because you're worried you might lose it. So, you know, I don't know if what your attitude with this is, Mel, but very similar to mine and Josh's is if we don't snatch in the past, we would be so scared and feel like we're going to be awful weightlifters. But the reality is the opposite. We're actually going to be awesome at snatching and cleaning jerking by having a break from it because one, we're mentally fresh and two, we're working on the foundation, the strength movements to actually get us there. Is that something that you've kind of uh, had to tell yourself obviously since you've been diving for so long you you don't have to worry about being a young person because you've got such awesome technique and you're an amazing diver anyway it's not going to go anywhere oh thank you yeah you know it's so funny when I was hearing you and Josh talk and Josh's answer that I was laughing to myself I'm like that's exactly what happened and it's funny that you guys commented um, before saying that we, we look pretty relaxed and you know and Josh was saying how he was more stressed when he was younger I think that this style of training actually also helps with those stress levels and when you, you know, when you're injured and you're trying to do something and you know that like, you, it's almost like you're just doing it just for the hell of it. So you're just snatching, right? I'm just throwing myself off a platform for the hell of it. And I know like maybe a body's not quite right or I'm missing some strength, but I'm just doing it anyway. And it's just like repeating a bad habit over and over, but focusing more on strength and doing things outside of diving. And even if I don't get a necessarily like direct translation of it, just that mental Thing of being able to just try something new like for me i'm asked josh i'm woeful at weightlifting absolutely no talent there i'm like the, the family idiot of weightlifting but um just being able to do that and just do, i did like yeah a couple of comps just for fun and it was so refreshing just to like even just to do something where you know you're not very good and there's no pressure and you can just go in and just it's good for you but it's not good in the scheme of things but that's that's okay like that's kind of nice for a change so to do that and even yeah a bit of crossfit i love all those like crossfit gymnastics movements and just training things like that that are fun and um at the end of the day it, it will help because it will make me stronger it'll make me a, a more diverse athlete it'll train muscles that i don't get to train in diving which is where a lot of the injuries come from it's just over specialization um so i love all that side of things and learning and that's all the things i've learned actually since starting hike with josh and um meeting people like you and just sharing knowledge and and points of view, uh, I think it's really cool. and something that I'm trying to bring more of into diving, but just trying to reverse everybody's backward thinking and diving up there's only one way to do it. Because I think yeah, there's so much more to it. It's so common in all sports. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> wow. Have you got any other things? Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. I, did, I, did well, I was, I was going to say like a good, we haven't asked this question yet, but what are your greatest achievements for each of you in your sports or lives or both? <laughs> just like some of my greatest achievements in terms of like the medal I won when I reflect back on that comp it's only negative memories because I wasn't happy with how I lifted that day but <laughs> just funny like I feel like I've, some of my best my best performances I've had on the platform have actually been a performance where I went and came last or something but I was actually just really happy because I had a great day and a lot of the medals I've won in the past I had a crap comp and somehow won a medal so <laughs> I don't know the greatest achievement was uh, I suppose in terms of the yeah, results wise I was first reserved for 
Commonwealth Games and the 2018 ones behind Brandon Wakeling for 69s. So um, that was cool. <laughs> and probably uh, making, make, being able to make weightlifting my life now, my lifestyle, I've said it's an achievement. Saved myself from having to go get an office job kind of thing, <laughs> which I never wanted to do. So I'd say that's probably the yeah, greatest achievement in my life. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'd say for me, yeah, like there's always the diving one. So I guess yeah, Olympic silver medal is pretty amazing. Come off games gold, I'm pretty happy with that too. In uh, especially in, like at a home games, it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I've had a pretty long career, so they're probably the stand ones. And like Josh said, sometimes you you don't dive as well as you wanted to, or don't perform as well as you wanted to, but you still get a good medal or vice versa. I've had plenty of comps where I've been happy with my performance but didn't quite get in the medals but I guess outside of diving some things um, would be same as Josh like I think starting hardcore um, that was like really out of our comfort zone both of us we I think we've come a long way in terms of um, gaining confidence and things like that but by nature we're both um, not the most outgoing kind of people we're a bit more reserved so I think putting ourselves out of our comfort zone and starting hardcore and building a community and a club has been really exciting um, and I think something I don't really talk about that often, but I think as I got older, just learning to kind of back myself a bit more and have a bit more self-confidence, um, not just that helped my diving, obviously, but I think just in the rest of my life, that was a big, like, I think, achievement for me that I don't really acknowledge very much. But, uh, yeah, I think that's just helped me now to be able to, yeah, basically I, I know that any opportunity um, is worth taking if I'm willing to kind of go for it. So it's just being able to put myself out there and, and go for it. It's so interesting as an outsider looking in, they'll just see the results that you guys have achieved, not understanding how you guys obviously feel in those moments. And a good example is bodybuilding and how they look so ripped and lean, but they're actually really close to death and quite unhealthy, equivalent to someone who's very overweight. And it's it's no different because, you know, you push yourself to your limits. You might have so many injuries and you, you'll do on paper your best performance ever. But then, you know, you might have uh, an average kind of performance comp, but your, your body feels awesome. You felt like you executed the weights. Your technique was executed really well. You know, your coach was very happy with how you did. Uh, and, and then you can look back on those memories really, really well. And it's something so interesting that hopefully our listeners will find, I guess, a bit polarizing to what they might have thought were your best achievements. You know, some people might think, oh, well, she's been to three Olympics. Josh has represented Australia 15 times. Uh, these things are, are really important to them. Well, the reality is... Not necessarily. These things are just a small part of your life and uh, hardcore has obviously become something pretty much who you guys are now and that's something that you can share with other people as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's cool. It's really exciting actually. It's nice to have something outside of sport. Um, Sets us up for what happens after the elite athlete life ends anyway, which is good because a lot of elite athletes end up depressed and stuff after they, they step out of the spotlight. So, yeah, for us it's about setting ourselves up for what's next and we enjoy it so we know that that will fill the void of not being athletes anymore. Mm. Yeah. Can we talk about how, uh, what you guys are doing or what the meaning behind hardcore and then also behind Havoc? So you guys are obviously doing a lot of these awesome things and motivated strongly by your, your older sister. Do you want to talk a little bit about her and how important she is into your life? And I guess this will be an awesome point to, you know, leave our listeners. Yeah, so um, hardcore, so... K-A-W is my sister's initials, Kirsten Amelia Wu, and um, she sadly passed away about six years ago um, from suicide. So, uh, yeah, that was her thing that she came up with back when we were kids, and she had a dream of opening up her own um, bakery one day, where she wanted to be like a bakery dentist. Because <laughs> she liked baking and she also wanted to be a dentist. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that, she was always going to call it hardcore bakery or hardcore dentist, I suppose. 
Um, so we thought, yeah, we could honor her by um, keeping hardcore. It's not a bakery or a dentist, but we eat plenty of baked goods in here. <laughs> so her initials are but, K-A-W. Yeah, yeah so that's for. Oh, yeah, so that's yeah. Where, yeah. So that's where it came from. So she came with that. So we decided to be hardcore weightlifting club kind of thing. So yeah, in her honor, and she was a weightlifter as well. So it, it's pretty fitting still. I'm sure she'd be um, really happy with what we're doing. Thanks, beautiful. I think she definitely would be. And then, uh, Mel, do you want to talk about Havoc and the clothing line as well? Yeah, yeah. So Havoc was something I just kind of started being an athlete for so many years and a bit particular about what I wear and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, something I wanted to start to just create the kind of clothes that I like to train in. And uh, I guess but that one didn't have so much of a focus on Kirsten, but I did keep the K in there for her for that one um, as the yeah, special little thing. Um, but yeah, it's basically, it's pretty exciting. Something that's still a bit new, something I had to kind of move a little bit slower this year because of COVID, but looking forward to progressing it a little bit more. Uh, as time goes on and got some great ambassadors on board, which is really great and building that, which is really exciting. That's awesome, That's guys. That's amazing, yeah. Just thanks so much, guys, for coming on our podcast. It's honestly been amazing talking to you both and hearing your stories and thank you for sharing everything that you have with us because it's been really great and amazing for us and I'm sure that our listeners are going to love listening to it as well because um, you're both really inspiring and we just love your values and what you represent. So we hope that that comes across in this episode as well. I'm sure it will. Where can people find you guys? So Josh, where can we find you? Where can we find Hardcore? Mel, where can we find you and you and Havoc Athletic or Havoc Clothing? So um, Instagram, say so our Instagram handle for Hardcore is um, Hardcore Strength, I believe. Yeah. So H R D K A W Strength. And then my Instagram is joshwu7. And then yeah. yours. And then you can find me personally, I'm Melissa Page Wu on Instagram. Uh, or you can follow Havoc, Havoc Athletic, or one word, H-A-V-O-K. Uh, yeah, that's, that's us. pretty much remaining on Instagram. <laughs> that's where yeah. everything happens. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, that'll, well, that'll be the that'll be the episode. Cut. 